When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Shrekman, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 4-2 and two as they head into Week 8 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 2-0 and oh in the AFC North, and quite frankly, sitting in a pretty good spot to start the back end of the 2023 season. We're going to dive into some Tomlin Tuesday notes, some uh, team identity stuff, some use of the cornerback room, a very questionable IR name to watch and monitor throughout the week and our thoughts on that. And then a uh, very entertaining segment, in my opinion, or what should be a very entertaining segment about some beef in the AFC North between a former Cleveland Brown and a current Cleveland Browns quarterback coach, which... I don't think anybody has to second guess who those names are, at least what one of those names are. It is a beautiful day in the Berg. How are we feeling, my friend? Feeling really good. Uh, feeling really good. Yes, yeah, sun was shining yesterday. We uh, Steelers are Steelers are arrows pointed up. It's weird though that like I don't know. I, there got to be very few teams in the NFL who have a four and two a record as good as the Steelers, but the vibes are like. Yeah, I, mean, I guess the vibes are pretty good this week, but people still like ha- have no faith in this team at all. I feel like. Yeah, I I kind of uh, I kind of agree. I was on ninety three seven the fan last night, and they asked me, "Are the Steelers good? Like, should we have faith in the Steelers?" And I said, "Look at the Steelers a year ago were two and six, and we were trying to come up with reasons why you know anybody should have any faith in the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now they're four and two. It's week eight. They control really their entire destiny." It, this is this is on them. So, you know, should you believe in them? Should are the Steelers good? I don't know if the Steelers are good, but they're good enough right now and they seem to be trending upwards. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird spot, but it kind of feels like this is a typical Pittsburgh Steelers spot to be in. This is just a this is who the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially under Mike Tomlin, just like usually are. Yeah. Absolutely. And like no one's ever going to actually trust the results. I feel like everyone yeah. is going to to have some kind of reading of what they see on TV every week, and that's what they run with. No one's a, like four and two is not four and two. Four and two is you know, four. It's four and two with wins over. Oh, that team wasn't very good, and their losses yes. are make it carry even more weight. So not everyone seems like sees the same thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Diving into some Tomlin Tuesday stuff, he he brought up a a number of topics. He wasn't so uh, I want to say agitated as he was a year ago, although. He did. I forget what the word was. I wish I remembered it off the top of my head. If you've been keeping track, and I want I want everybody listening to do this next Tuesday when you're watching the press conference, it seems like he hits one word. I think this this word was ten, tenor, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, yeah, it was. I'm almost positive it was tenor now that it hits me. I saw everyone tweeting about the word tenor, so I, yeah. I assume that's yeah. the word. Because I was like, it's a weird word. It's never a word that you just like use casually in conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that 
the coaching staff. Maybe it's Art Rooney. Maybe it's Omar Khan. Maybe it's Kenny. I don't know who it is. But somebody right before he goes out there is like, yo, you won't, uh, you won't use the word tenor five times in this press conference. And he looks at him and he goes, I'll use it 10. And then he walks <laughs> in there and he does. He dropped he dropped at least a dozen of them. Yeah, last week, I forget what the word was, but he dropped a dozen of those. He's uh, I think he's got like the toilet paper with the word of the day. Tenure. Mm-hmm. Tenor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenor was Tuesday. He was like, all right, this is a good one. This is a good. It's a good practice. It's definitely a good practice. He dove into some team identity. He to- he dove into some thoughts on the cornerback room and more specifically his thoughts on Patrick Peterson and their usage of him. Let's start with where the Pittsburgh Steelers stand as a team as a whole. Mark Caboli asked if the team identity could kind of just be gritty football. Just finding a way to win, going out there. doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done. Tomlin said this, quote, yes, you are. uh, Yeah, I think in 2023, when you're talking about the team identity, you're talking more intangible quality things. Grit, a mindset, the approach in which you take the circumstances. Are you a calculated risk-taking group? Are you a fundamentalist group? Are you a small menu group? Those are all things that really kind of compromise identity today. But if you start talking about we're a running group, then people are going to show up in goal line defense and open the field up on you. And so it doesn't behoove you to marry yourself to an identity. All it does is make this is make this make the sledding more difficult in 2023. There's so much specialization in today's game. It just is. I think people for the last two years, maybe a little before that, I, I think when Ben Roethlisberger was here, the identity was Ben Roethlisberger. It was just that was their guy. That was their offense. For the last two years, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been searching for an offensive identity. I think last year turned into a running football team. This year, people have been searching for an answer. They haven't been get, able to get one. Tomlin says it is not a running football team. It is not a passing football team. It is not a win by Kenny Pickett or Matt Canada or George Pickens or Najee Harris or whoever. It is, we are a gritty football team. This is a team that just goes out there and gets the job done. Do you think that is, uh, do you think that's enough? Do you think that is a formula that could succeed in the NFL instead of standing around saying, hey, look, we got Derrick Henry, we got Najee Harris, we got whoever, we should base our offense and our team identity off of that. Instead, it's just whatever it takes to win. Well, I... First of all, I think it's funny that, that that Mike Tomlin believes that if he says, you know, out loud in a Tuesday press conference, that that's how the league is going to figure out that what they want to do. That's how they're going to get inside the Steelers' game plan. Is if he says, "Yeah, we got a big offensive line and we got good running backs, so we're going to run the football." <laughs> but I also think that grit is a little abstract and it can only get you so far. It's a good quality yeah. to have. But you also got to like know who your personnel is. You got to know what you're good at, and that's how you kind of build identity. Um, you know, getting the getting the job done, or however you want to phrase uh, grit, or however you want to kind of repackage that. Uh, that requires you know having players that can do certain things and tailoring a game plan to their skill sets. So, yeah. grit I think is a a quality that you can have, and it is. Uh, it is something that comes after having an identity. is It is a product of using your identity. It's not necessarily someone's identity. Uh, I think there's something to the idea that this team can show up at big moments and show up late in games and and really 
kind of elevate themselves when when the pressure is the highest. But I wouldn't necessarily call that that grit. I think, you know, I think that's just meeting the moment when, when the lights are the brightest. I, I I think this team does have a little bit of grit to them. I think they, yeah, you know, for as many times as they've you know fallen and gotten punched, that's uh, that they've gotten back up and they've responded really well. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily an identity, uh, more of a, a, a something that they've shown. You know, identity's got to be like who you are before, before things actually happen. Quite honestly, yeah, I think that just to build off of that, I feel like if he came and said, "Yeah, we're a gritty football team in crucial moments. That's who we are. But we're a team that, you know, like we win off of." the success our defense finds or we win off of giving our offense an opportunity at the end. Like, I feel like that's an identity, you know, like if the identity is we have to get to a place where Kenny Pickett could go win us a football game in a crucial moment. Okay. Like, you know, at least you understand how you have to do it. I feel like just saying, Oh, we're a gritty football team. Like our team's not gritty football teams. Like our, this is the NFL Our players, not gritty or, you know, are, are most teams sitting around saying, you know what, we're uh, we're pretty much fundamentally sound. We're definitely a running football team. You get us in a crucial moment. I wouldn't say we're very gritty. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that's what we we're, possess. We're soft. We're really soft. We're a soft honest. football team. Yeah, I kind of feel like I feel like that's just part of the NFL. That's part of football, especially at the professional level is you ha- you're gritty, you know, in those crucial moments, you should have an opportunity to go win that football game because everybody and their mother practices to go win that football game. Again, I think that I think your identity for an offense really could be. We have to allow our defense to give us an opportunity. We just have to take advantage of that opportunity. I think your identity could be, you know, controlling a clock and giving yourself a chance to keep a game close and seeing if you pull Like, I, I think, I don't think an identity has to be like, we're the best running football team in the NFL, you know, or, yeah. We Kenny Pickett is our guy. We live and die off of Kenny Pickett. I think that in Pittsburgh, especially an identity for an offense could be a defense as crazy as that sounds. And it could just be giving yourself an opportunity. Is it, is it, is that grit? I mean, like, I guess, you know, but I just, I feel like there's more like it's, I feel like that's such a, like if you, if you walked into a meeting and you said, all right, guys, you want to know what our identity is this year? Gritty football. Gritty football. Everybody be sitting around going, all right, how do we do that? What do we, right. how are we going to be a gritty football team? And then you're just done there. You're just like, well, we haven't figured that part out yet. We're still, uh, we're still kind of learning. Right. And identity is how you look at yourself. And it's, it's a reflection of like what you think you're, you're good at. And if all you've yeah. got is, is grit, I don't know. That's like not very encouraging. I mean, that's, yes. Like I said, that's something that you can show when the moment demands it, but you have to get through that moment with, you know, with, with certain characteristics from your players. And so, you know, I think it's, again, going back to what I like first said about, you know, Mike Tomlin feeling like he's giving something away. If he talks about their identity, like, you know, who your team is and like other people can see you, what your team is when they actually play football, like when they step onto the field, what you guys like to do, what you're built to do. Um, that's what identity is. It's not, it's not, Oh, we, we respond to this moment with these emotions. Um, it's, it's, who you actually are as a football team. It's, it's tangible stuff. And it's, it's how you think you can win games. Um, 
none of that is secret right now. Like, honestly, yeah. like, it, but you just kind of want to know what, how Mike Tomlin views it. Like, that was the point of the question. It's like, do you guys kind of know who you are and know, and know what you're able to do or able not to do? And, you know, the, an interesting answer would have been, yes, we know who we are and we're very secure in like how we, how we want to win games. We, we try yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it, but like, or we're still figuring that out. Like, or this is like still a growing process. And, it, you know, there were a couple of different directions that I thought he could have go in and, and I don't know to, to leave it all up to grit, just kind of, I, I think sells this team short a little bit, quite honestly. Like, I think there are other, there are other things about this team besides, oh, they just, you know, are, are tough or whatever, or whatever yeah. however you want to, like frame that frame whatever grit is yeah i i agree like i think and, and like don't get me wrong i think kaboli kind of set him up to say like yeah we're a gritty football team but yeah i think the part about him like being like oh well i don't want to like label us one thing or the other i think that just like you said that goes back to like how did you construct a football team did you just construct a football team and just say hey, well you know this is just a bunch of good players we'll figure it out as we go because i feel like that's not a winning formula you got to have an idea of what you're looking for go build a team to what that plan is. And then most times that succeeds. But again, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they haven't uh, seemed to do that. They are gritty. They are winning. So, you know, you got to give them credit there. But just like you said, I felt like you had an opportunity to kind of give a bigger answer. And it kind of felt like maybe the Steelers don't know what their identity is still, which is definitely a little, uh, a little concerning. Tomlin also talked about Patrick Peterson a little bit and his uh, thoughts on the, the cornerback room. He said that Patrick Peterson is, is another camp side and that, you know, he's able to move around and they'd like to see him move around. And I mean, we talked about it on Monday. He played 99% of the snaps. He's been playing pretty much 100% of the snaps. He's been bouncing inside, bouncing outside. I think before last week or before this past weekend, they have not been using him like Cam Sutton. And I, I saw where he was going with that one, where it's like a very versatile guy. I would, I thought it was, you know, people kind of dove into that a little bit. The, the, Patrick Peterson's as good as Cam Sutton. You wish Patrick Peterson was as good. I was like, all right, he, that's not what he meant. He just meant that he's versatile and that he could do all these things. I I think that that's what the plan was. I think that at the same time, though, they're kind of viewing him not what the plan was. And I think that they keep talking like that. And from what I've picked up from Patrick Peterson even talking is he had a much stronger belief coming in here that he would move around more and they kind of made it, you know, known that he was going to move around more. And now he's not moving around. Tomlin keeps talking about him moving around. He just moved around this past game, but he kind of needed to because your other option was to line Chandon Sullivan up in the slot against Cooper cup. That could not happen. I mean, it would you, would you like Tomlin to kind of actually fulfill his, his words here? and make Patrick Peterson more of a Cam Sutton? Do you think that they've done enough of that? What were your thoughts on that one? Well, I think it also is a reflection of just where they're at with Joey Porter. Um, yeah. I think we talked about this on our last episode, but there's just, for as good as he's been, I still think there's like not total faith that he can be a full-time outside corner or be kind of a quote-unquote third starter yeah. uh, in, in, a, in a cornerback room like this. So, I think he's getting there and I think that faith is building, but until they get to the point where they're where they think they can roll Joey out as an outside corner for starter level, you know, reps, which I don't really think they, I mean, he's taken a lot of snaps, right? Like don't get, yeah. don't get me wrong. We talked about that, but I still think there is, is something there where they aren't 
as confident as maybe a bunch of other like as fans and maybe we are uh, in what Joey can do there. So I think it's also a reflection of uh, we got to see a little bit more from Joey, make sure he can he can fully handle this before we start letting Patrick letting Pat Pete roam uh, and leaving Joey kind of by himself to to fend for himself. Because if you I don't know, it's it, it would be tough to leave Joey out there send Pat Pete inside and start moving him around. And then, you know, Joey gets kind of not hung out to dry, but just isn't what you, what you think he is right away. Um, I think they would rather hold him back a little bit, you know, especially because mm-hmm. things are generally working right now uh, for the most part before throwing themselves entirely into it. You know, they're going to make sure that, that it's a winning strategy before they, before they actually put it in games. Do you think that, if the Steelers were to begin occupying Patrick Peterson or utilizing Patrick Peterson, more of a versatile type option, are you confident enough in Levi Wallace and Joey Porter Jr. to be those guys on the outside? Or is that kind of put you in a, in a spot where maybe you'd rather Patrick Peterson on the outside with Joey Porter Jr.? What what? How would you feel about that? Well, I think they're going to have to. Like, I don't really know if they have a choice. Quite honestly, no, like, I don't think that they do. But right, because like, I, I don't know if like, like is Levi going to play the inside? Like, no, is he going to no, play no, slot? Right. So guy. like, yeah. So it's it's. I think you've got clearly three best corners. Uh, you've got one guy who really works and who can work in the slot, uh, and you've got two guys who are pretty much exclusively outside guys. So I think yeah. if you're thinking about like, you know maximization of division of labor and all that stuff, uh, you know, just max, uh, you know, allocation of resources and everything like it's your ideal situation is, is Pat Pete's able to move bump inside, outside, maybe like, I don't know. I, I just, I wonder what you think. Like, is Joey, is Joey their best cover corner right now? Oh yeah, I think so. I, I look at Joey as just like, I think Joey's their best cornerback in general right now. You know, I, really? I, yeah, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I think he's, He's fast enough to keep up with guys, which Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson are not right now. I think he has the instincts and the strength to fight off guys like Cooper, like uh, Puka Nakua, who's a very tough wide receiver. Uh, I think that he's got the strength there. I think he's come up in big moments. Do I think he's going to be perfect? No, but I think right now you look at him and just say athletically and like just like physical traits, he is your more most complete corner compared to Levi Wallace, who has a hard time keeping up with a lot of guys and Patrick Peterson, who is, you know, just he's lost a step and he maybe he's lost two steps at this point. And and I think that he I think if this was a zone defense like it was last year in Minnesota for him, he'd be absolutely killing it, you know, because I just think he's so smart that he understands a defense better than anybody out there or understands an offense better than anybody out there. But the fact that he has to run with guys and stick with guys, I just don't think it's the defense forms. So yeah, I think I think in my opinion, Joey's the best corner. Levi was the second best corner in my head. I think maybe he still could be. It it gets me concerned when you put him out and uh, put an island out there and it's him versus Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua or you know, maybe this week it's Calvin Ridley. Like it just it makes like, you know, he can't keep up with Christian Kirk. He just can't do that. And how many times are you gonna find yourself in an, in a position where he has to and there's not going to be the help over top where, you know, he's going to be able to stop that. Yeah, definitely. I, I get that. Yeah. And so just 
but like again, I don't like you don't really have many options, no, right? You don't. Like you Your can't... other options like Chan and you know, it's Chan and Sullivan the guy and Right. You just bring right. Levi Wallace off the bench. I think that makes it worse. I just right. then, I don't think well, you have anything. Yeah, and then you know if you're bringing Chandon, uh, bringing Chandon in to play the slot, then that means it's Pat Pete and Joey Porter. And I don't know if I feel like I have my concerns about Levi uh, Levi yeah. Wallace in, on an island one on one against against good receivers. I kind of have those same concerns about Patrick Peterson. Like I don't yes. think he's been 100%. spectacular either. So like, it's not a great situation. They're getting by with it right now. I would say like it's yeah yeah. I mean like it's not it's not it's not bad it's not like adversely affecting the team in a way that's that's super disastrous but uh yeah that's why i think they are but it's why i think that they are holding back a little bit with the moving moving pat pete all the way around the field and everything like that it's because they're just right now they are not built to to just let to go as deep into their quarter cornerback room and just you know let guys kind of rotate in and out they've got a they got a little bit of building with Joey before they can get to that point. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why it's like very desperate for them to go make a trade by the end of, I guess, Tuesday, next Tuesday. I just feel like, you know, it's there's just you try to you try to find a way where this works and where, you know, it's like, oh, Pat P can be Cam Sutton. And there's just you just don't you don't have it. You just don't have the options. The last thing I want to bring up from Tomlin Tuesday here, Anthony McFarlane is a guy that could be returning from IR this week. Uh, Tomlin said that, you know, it's they'll monitor him. He practiced all week last week. I talked to Anthony. He said he feels great dealing with it or was dealing with a knee injury, shut down for four weeks. Godwin Igubake, Igubake, Igubuke, excuse me, uh, had one return for 15 yards in his absence this past weekend as a kick returner after they released Gunnar Olszewski. Do you think Anthony's coming back? He's got 14 days now to make his return to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Otherwise, he'll be shut down for the season. The Steelers tend to do these things. You know, last year it was Kella Witherspoon and Calvin Austin where they opened the window, never ne- never, never activated them from the window. They got shut down for the whole season. Anthony McFarlane the year before was dealing with some stuff, ended up being inactive for most of the year. I mean, Zach, Zach Banner, a couple of years ago, that was before your time here. Zach Banner was a guy who he was he he suffered a setback. He thought he was going to be just fine spent the whole year on IR do you do you look at Anthony as a possibility that that's the same thing that's going to happen to him or do you hope that he comes back god I really hope that is not the case man like I was beating the was one of the people beating the Ant Mac drum all during training camp I loved what I saw from him I think everyone loved what they saw from him this was supposed to be a big year for him and it's just it's a little disappointing how much he's you know, just how he fell, fell to the wayside, how that injury yes. really affected him. Um, so this would be a real sad – yeah, like I'll call it sad. Yeah, it would be really sad if like this is just how this this promising season kind of comes to an end. So I really hope not. I mean, just with every passing day that he's not activated, you're less and less optimistic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, like as time wears on, the odds that you, when you get closer to that deadline, it's it does not make you feel any better. And Yeah it's not like the Steelers couldn't use him, you know, it's like, not like he's, he's a completely, you know, obsolete guy. Uh, his skill set would be really valuable to this team. So I really hope he comes back. I just, I, I can't say, I don't know. I get less and less optimistic with time and, and, you know, I'm not very optimistic today. And if you ask me tomorrow, I'm going to be even less optimistic until <laughs> the day he gets, he, he gets activated quite honestly. So I, I really hope not. 
But I agree. I agree. I uh, he he seemed like a guy, and then I got rambles last week or rumbles last week that you know he wasn't going to be activated, and I was a little surprised. And then he wasn't activated, and I went, okay, well, you know, got to believe what you hear. This week, I've heard some of the same that like the Steelers just don't have plans right now to add him back to the right. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, unless if Godwin Iguabuke like came in here and was just killing it and he was the dude and the Steelers found a diamond in the rough, and you know, that's cool. That makes a lot of sense, but they didn't, they don't, you know, nobody's worked as a kick returner since Anthony McFarlane in week one. Like, what are you holding back for? What, what is the issue here? I just don't, it, but it's a classic Pittsburgh Steelers move to just say like, yeah, hey, well, we'd rather be cautious. And this isn't a guy that, is a key element to the team, even though he is. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it's a wait and see thing. I agree with you. Every day that passes makes me more and more nervous. If I'm somebody that's sitting around going, I'm pretty positive he's coming back. Just from what I hear, and you could believe me or you could, you don't believe me. You know, that's on you. But I've heard that, you know, there, that's very, very much so still up in the air, which stinks because, you know, like I said, he said he looked good. I thought he's looked good, you know, just doesn't make much sense to me, but it's where the, uh, where the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently. Again, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see the other, the other name to uh, monitor injury wise before we move on here, Cole Holcomb dealing with an ankle. That's definitely a pretty big blow uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I got to say, man, Quan Alexander has been killing it so much the last two weeks that like I'm, if I'm picking a, a, an inside linebacker one for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's Quan Alexander right now. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, I okay. mean, like you, you're feeling much more comfortable with. I mean, like, I think Landon Robertson pretty good. I think, I, oh I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but Robertson isn't a pass too. guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, but I think Cole's like been been pretty good too. But you can yeah, definitely, yeah. um, but I mean, Cole Cole returned to the he, yeah, he heard the Rams the game, came back. So like, I don't know. I think this might be just a little bit more nagging, and I, I think he he'll probably end up being all right. But I think you can also like survive with. With just Quan and Elan and Roberts, like I'd feel good about that rolling into yeah. rolling into the Jags game with just them. Um, so you know you hope Cole comes back, but I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic he'll he'll end up playing on on Sunday. Yeah, those two and a little Mark Rob. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. go with we'll a little Mark Rob. Go little Mark Rob in there. A little for Mark fun, Rob. Yeah. I, I'd yeah. be about it. I like it. I like. I would like to see a little Mark Rob in regular season uh, defensive action here. Wouldn't be upset about it. All right, last thing. Uh, last thing we got to talk about here non-Pittsburgh Steelers related, but also Pittsburgh Steelers related. Uh, Deshaun Watson, big, giant question mark for the Cleveland Browns right now. Hot topic of conversation. For those of you who did not watch the game on Sunday, I believe, against the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Deshaun Watson finally returned after missing, I believe, the last two games with the shoulder injury, came back. First off, let's just let's start right from the beginning here. Deshaun Watson gets you know suffers a shoulder injury, is cleared. To play two weeks ago, 90 minutes before the game, he tells the Cleveland Browns, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm just I'm not playing. I'm not. I don't feel good enough to play. I'm not playing. So PJ Walker gets the start or no, I, I take that back. DTR gets the start stinks guy. The guy. I mean, how good? Could a, uh, I think he was a fifth round rookie. How, how good could a fifth round rookie be with 90 minutes of preparation before a football game? Can't be great. He sits the next two games. P.J. Walker comes in the next week. He starts. He wins. This past weekend, Deshaun Watson returns to the field. In the first quarter, throws two interceptions. On that second interception, he gets sacked. He goes down. He stays down. He comes off the field. 
People are quickly assuming it's the shoulder. This is a shoulder injury again. Then it's announced by the Cleveland Browns that he was checked for a concussion and cleared. So he was allowed to go back into the game. He did not. He stayed on the sidelines the entire afternoon. After the game, Kevin Stefanski says it was just a precautionary thing. We're, we're trying to protect our quarterback. P.J. Walker led him to a win. That's I think, adds a little bit more to the story here. Kevin Stefanski's asked the next day if Watson is a candidate for IR. Stefanski says it's day-to-day. We don't really have an idea as of right now. In my head, that goes, yeah, probably he's going to end up on IR. And if he doesn't end up on IR, he's definitely going to miss some time. P.J. Walker's your guy. Brady Quinn brings up the conversation because, for those of you who don't know, Deshaun Watson has a fully guaranteed $230 million deal by the Cleveland Browns. He's 6-4. and four. So far, as a starting quarterback in Cleveland, I think he threw 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions in those 10 games. Not great stats here. Brady Quinn, uh, appearing on Fox Sports Radio, goes, quote, everyone with a medical opinion has cleared Deshaun Watson. The situation is almost similar to a kid getting a $230 million trust fund. You ask them to get a job, and they have no incentive to do it. Big words by the former Cleveland Browns quarterback. Deshaun Watson's personal quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, who, you know, pretty respected around the league, has a ton of clients in the NFL. He was not a fan about this. He, he tweets back at, at the quote tweet from, from uh, Fox Sports Radio. He goes, Brady, I'm going to be real. You don't know what the blank you are talking about and sit behind a microphone gossiping like a little high school chick. That led to definitely some back and forth. It was amazing. Brady Quinn comes out with the little, you could talk to me anytime in person. This is an open invitation. Quincy says, I already saw you. It is what it is. Brady says, well, I didn't see you. Quincy just goes a little point being, because at this point, I think Quincy realizes he's losing the conversation. This is not, he's not winning this battle right here. Brady drops the biggest bomb you could possibly drop right now and goes, how about we massage this conversation and get it to a happy ending? Does that sound satisfactory i mean mike drop quincy comes back and says we're going to put this on the table till the next time i see you if you're a pittsburgh steelers fan you definitely woke up to some humor this morning because that was a great little battle great little uh dispute on twitter x whatever you want to call it when you saw it man were you laughing as hard as i was because i was definitely cracking up reading these i was just more thinking i i would never i mean look i don't I know this guy's clo- no Quincy Avery's close to Deshaun. He has the yeah. best interest in this guy's success and, and all that. I'm sure. I'm sure they're close, and he cares about him. You would not find me going to bat for Deshaun Watson on a Wednesday morning or whenever this was. Whenever this happened, I don't know if this was last night, but like, whoo man, I'm not wasting my time doing this. Like, I just just not worth it. Like, you have this opinion, sure, but like, get that to yourself. Like, that's just not a winning. Because I don't think you are, you're just never going to win this battle. No. You know, like uh, for a guy like Deshaun Watson, like I'm not going to go to bat for a guy like that, first of all. But I understand, like, you know, Quincy Avery's situation is different. But also, like, he's a, like you said, he's got that contract. And that is going to, that is going to be the lens through which everyone judges everything that he does. Uh, You got a lot of money to be, to be this team's quarterback and to be really good at it. And the rest of this team is, is pretty good. And there's, I, you know, I don't watch every Browns game, 
you know, no. missing Nick Chubb is 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 a big deal. They lost Jerome Ford too. He's I don't think going to play this week either. As fantasy owner, fantasy owner, that's that's a pretty big bummer. But um, <laughs> but like this is a good team, and it seems like there's one squeaky wheel, and it's at quarterback. Like yep. that's it's hard to get around that. So especially when you know PJ Walker's been pretty good when he comes in. Oh yeah, know? and like he like. So this is just all – it is going to always be a bad look and is always going to be a losing argument if you are trying to to tell people that they don't actually understand what's going on when their star quarterback who's getting $200 million is medically cleared and still sitting out games. Like that, you know, just like – well, like you can kind of call it what it is, like ignoring the advice of team doctors and medical personnel like on the on the team. Like, Yeah, yeah. It doesn't I, uh... look good. No, if you were if you if you do a quick scroll through uh through the tweets, it is a lot of very angry Cleveland Browns fans that are like Quincy man, look it, shut up because Brady's a hundred percent right. This is ridiculous. The guy sucks. He's taking up way too much cap space. You got to remember, I think the thing that gets overlooked in the Deshaun Watson like contract conversation all the time is that the Browns also gave up three first round picks. Three first-round picks and $230 million for a guy who is not that good right now. And next, the next two years, three years of his deal, the final three years of Deshaun Watson's deal, he takes up just under $64 million worth of cap space. $64 million. That is, that's, that's unreal. Like that yeah. is you could you could look at any quarterback contract and say that is as ridiculous. How do you win it? You can't do that. Like you can't. That is way too much money and you can't get out of it like right. you are as it, stuck you, as can be. You mortgage your future and sold your soul for this guy. Like, yes, it's I think that's I don't know. Like I wouldn't have done it if I were the Browns, no. but you have to. It's OK, I think, for them to like demand certain things of this guy yes. that they invested so much in. Um, yes. I, I don't think that's inappropriate at all um, for no. for them to do that. So what do you what do you what do you like being cautious about? What are you protecting your quarterback about? Like I just I think that's the thing is, I, and I think it's really kind of funny and like the irony is so real that Baker Mayfield's time in Cleveland ended because they forced him to play with a shoulder injury that clearly impacted his play, and everybody hated him by the time it was done. Because they were like, dude, you got to play. It doesn't matter how hurt you are, whatever. Deshaun Watson's getting cleared by everybody. And they're like, you know what? No, stay on the bench. You're fine. No big deal. And meanwhile, Baker Mayfield was was working on a fifth-year option, I'm pretty sure. And Deshaun Watson's out here with the biggest deal in, in NFL history, the craziest deal in NFL history. And that's the and guy you look you're at, protecting. And then you look at what Baker did in L.A. and even in what he's doing in Tampa right now. Like, yep. I know... Like he's making, no, I guess that Tampa's out. He's got some. He's got a couple good receivers down in Tampa, but no one expected them to do anything. No. Least of all me. And no. he's making. He is making the most of that situation down there. So just yep. like you look at, you look at that stuff on top of what Deshaun is doing right now, and I don't. I don't know if you wonder what could have been, but you are. No, but you still think it's it, it right. like adds to the how bad the situation was. Like PJ Walker led them to two wins. Two. He's two yeah. and zero. You know, and he's looked fine. And, you know, you just think like, well, what could we do? What, how much better can we be if Deshaun Watson isn't? Yeah, if Deshaun Watson doesn't take up $50 million of our cap space and sit on the bench. Like, I don't know. It's a tough situation for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think they're getting out of it. 
I don't expect Deshaun Watson to be on the field when the Pittsburgh Steelers face them in three weeks, four weeks. I just I think that he's I think his season's going to quietly come to an end very soon. Um, and then you and then you go into a conversation about where the Cleveland Browns could be and how good they could possibly be. But man, dude, it's uh, it was rough. Shout out Brady Quinn, man. Shout out. That was a that was as savage as it gets. That that yeah, final he, little blow there was he was throwing haymakers for sure. Haymakers, yeah, fantastic. And like the, I think the craziest part is like Avery came at Brady Quinn. But if you actually like watch the thing, and I, I know he just saw the the tweet real fast, but if you watch the thing, Lavar Arrington, who was one of the hosts, was like he he like he oh, went he on was with even it. worse. Yeah, he yeah, was, he was like yeah, hundred percent. Like yeah, and then but he Brady's, was more intense than Brady by like exactly. a mile. Like it was exactly. But Brady's got clipped. It got put on Twitter. Quincy was not having it. I think what Quincy needs to realize, and what I think anybody who's like out here defending Deshaun Watson needs to realize is that like it's not just the media, it's not just some players, it's it's pretty much the entire fan base that's like, hey man, what are we doing here? What the hell is going on? Can we get our quarterback back? And if he sucks, can we figure out a way to get rid of him and find something good? But man, dude, can't feel good to be a Cleveland Browns fan right now because you got some big question marks and I mean, hey, maybe PJ Walker could lead you to a Super Bowl, and you see what happens there. But oh, I'd love that, dude. I, I, I mean, love PJ outside Walker. of the Cleveland Browns, yes, would be uh, fantastic. Well, sure, but uh, yeah, I I am a huge PJ Walker guy. I love yeah. that guy. So yeah, yeah, I agree. PJ Walker was the dude. Was uh, hoping he ended up in Pittsburgh last season after the, his XFL stunt, but it's all right. Would be a big PJ Walker fan. Also, Temple guy, right? That's right. That's what. That's what I. I remember when I was a kid yeah. watching him. Like those Temple teams were actually really good, and he was he was their starting quarterback. He was awesome. So. Yeah, yeah. Shout out PJ Walker. We'll see what happens with uh with Deshaun Watson. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtubecom slash Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts, and as always, go check out all mine and Steven's work at AllSteelers.com and our pit coverage at InsideThePanthers.com. We will be back on Friday to preview week eight Pittsburgh Steelers versus Jacksonville Jaguars. Enjoy another beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.